is that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? There is a fundamental teaching out there that says, when you die, you immediately go to heaven when you die. Now, if that's comforting you, to you, then let it be. I mean, uh, you know, it, it, it's not necessarily what I believe, but if that brings you comfort, if it brings you comfort about your loved ones, your family members, your husband, your wife, or whatever it may be, that they're immediately in heaven right now with the Lord, then, then let it comfort you. You know, the difference between what I believe and what many of you believe, many of you believe that when you die, you immediately go to be with the Lord. I believe that when you die, you're dead, and you won't go to be with the Lord until the resurrection. So there's a little time period in between called death, which is referred to as sleep, oblivious to the passage of time. I mean, we could talk about the Apostle Paul being in the grave 2,000 years, totally oblivious. The next thing, the last thing he's going to remember is maybe being killed in Rome at the, at the, at the arena. And the next minute, he's with the Lord. Even, to, even 2,000 years have passed. So my point is, the only difference between really what I believe and what you believe, you believe you immediately go with the, with the Lord, and I believe there's a little time period where you're in the grave until the resurrection occurs. So you might say, well, you get there before I do, whatever. Okay. But since this is called the program, is that really in the Bible, I have to address issues that are in the Bible. I can't make up my own stuff. I can't just study what theologians have said and said, yeah, that's it. That's got to be right. I can't simply go to church, listen to the preacher, thump the pulpit, and, uh, you know, tell me, you know, Martha so-and-so is in heaven right now. I, can't, I, I have to preach what's really in the Bible. Okay. Now, first of all, let me back up here. Some people get so excited about heaven, but they, they, they overlook one thing. The kingdom of God and is coming to this earth. God promised that he would return, resurrect the saints, and set up his kingdom on this earth. So in order to have a kingdom on this earth, you've got to have four things. You've got to have a king. You've got to have subjects, that is, people to rule over. You've got to have laws. In order to make a kingdom work, you've got to have laws to regulate people's lives. And you've got to have territory. The territory will be planet Earth. So let's talk about the first one. In order to have a kingdom, you've got to have a king. I think everybody knows who, who that is. Revelation 19, verse 16. And he has on his vesture a on his thigh, a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Just who is this king? 
Well, it's none other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Okay, who is returning to this earth. Now, where does Christ return? Well, he returns from the exact same place that he left. He left from the Mount of Olives, and he's returning to the Mount of Olives. Now, where is the Mount of Olives? Is it in heaven? No. It's a literal place on this earth. Acts 1 and verse 10. And when they looked steadfast toward heaven, and as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white of pearl. Now here the disciples are gathered, and they're watching Jesus being lifted up into heaven and being carried away. And Acts 1 and verse 11 says, These angels said, You men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So they sort of nodded their head and they said, okay, we've seen him rise up and go up into heaven. And this angel is telling me he's going to return in like manner. He's going to return back. I'm going to see him come down from heaven and come to this earth. The second thing, or second and third thing we've got to have in order to have a kingdom are subjects, that's people, and laws. Isaiah 2 and verse 3, And many people shall go and say, Come ye, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us his way, and we will walk in his path. For out of Zion so shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. So what do we have here? We have many people, many nations, let's say. And they're going to go, and they're going to come to the house of the Lord, and they're going to learn of his way. And they're going to say, who will teach us his way, for out of Zion shall go, shall go forth the law. What law? Well, the law of God. The Ten Commandments. And I would say many more laws than that, but probably all 613 probably. But, you know, the law is what governs our life and makes it work. That law, same law that often you hear in church has been, well, what do they say? What do they say in church? It's been abolished. It's been fulfilled. It's been done away with. Or it's not for us, it's for somebody else. It's for the Jews, it's for Israel, it's for the Gentiles, it's for, uh, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's for anybody and everybody but me. Okay, that, that, a lot of times that, that's what you hear. That's what you hear. Now the next one is territory. Where is the territory at? Well, it's planet Earth. Is it up in heaven? Well, is the Earth up in heaven? No. Notice this, Revelation 5 and verse 10. And God has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. There's, an, there's no mistaking, there's no mis, misunderstanding this. We're gonna, he's going to make us kings and priests, and we are going to reign on this earth. Why? Well, that should be obvious. 
Heaven doesn't need fixing. It never has and never will. Okay. If I were to ask you, what kind of problems do we have down here on earth? What would be your answer? Well, you would start clicking off a list a mile long of things that are wrong down here on this earth. And just imagine if you were a king or a priest of God. Imagine what you could fix with the power of God, with God's advice, with God's spirit, with God's you know leadership in your life telling you what to do. Imagine all the things you could fix. Boy, it's a lot of things I'd like to fix. And he's going to restore the earth to its original condition before sin entered the picture. Now, before sin entered the picture, everything was good. I mean, everything was perfect. It was real God. You know, you go through all those days of, of creation and God stands back and he says, Behold, it's very, very, very good. What does those words mean to you? Everything is good. Can you imagine waking up every day, thinking about your life, thinking about your children, thinking about what you're going to do today, where you're going to go, thinking about your health, thinking about your life, just thinking. And you could say, it is very, everything is very, very good. Now, consider our ungodly society. Consider our entertainment. I mean, consider the raunch, the filth, the bloodthirsty movies, the slasher movies, killing, mayhem, horror movies. You know, before, it won't be, before long, it'll be Halloween. I was at Lowe's. They've already put the Halloween garb out. That was three months before Halloween. I don't understand it. I do not understand it. But just think of our entertainment. How raunchy, how bad is our entertainment? It sucks. It does. I mean, I can't think of anything really good that's worth watching. I remember a, 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 uh, it was an interview James Dobson did with Ted Bundy. Now, Ted Bundy was a serial killer back in the 70s. He raped and killed more than 20 women on record, but it was more than that. Brutally raped and killed. And Dobson went to the prison before, he was, before Bundy was going to be electrocuted. And Dobson plainly said, I didn't go there to be Bundy's apologist. I wanted to know how did he get to be what he became? What kind of monster developed inside, inside of Ted Bundy. And Ted Bundy looked, I mean, he was totally looked like a normal person. He's smart, handsome, nice, you know, nice man, educated, highly intelligent. Uh, you just wouldn't look at him and think of him as an evil person. But what Bundy said was, at an early age, he had gotten a hold of a pornographic book. Now, back then, Pornography, you would find it in dumpsters and trash places where they dump trash. There was no internet pornography. Think about that back then. But he said 
the combination between pornography and slasher movies. He said when that union came together, porn and slasher movies, these bloodthirsty slasher movies, he said something snapped inside of him and he, 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 he didn't know what it was. He just went, he went it, something snapped. Well, you think about our society. What's the chance if you've got a eight-year-old boy, what's the chance of your eight-year-old boy never running across internet pornography? Zero is the answer. Zero. He's going to run across it. Unless you just, you know, like the Amish or something, you just move out in the middle of nowhere and you don't have any of that stuff. But it's true, you know. Now, Acts 3 and verse 21, speaking of Jesus, whom the heavens must re receive until the time of restitution of all things, which God has smoke, spoken by the mouth of all holy prophets since the world began. The restitution, the restoring of all things. God is going to restore back to its original condition. He's going to restore it back, a perfect world. Now, I like restoring things. I restored an old 1977 Suzuki GS550. It's a motorcycle. And uh, it's over 40 years old. And I bought that thing because it's got a kick start. I mean, it's got an electric start, but it's, got a, it's one of those few bikes that still has a kick start on it. And I restored it. And boy, am I proud of it. We like restoring old things. You know, maybe you're a man, you've got a car. You don't have to be a man, you can be a woman. You know, but, but you like restoring things. Well, God is going to restore back to the world, to a perfect world. Revelation 21 and verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, no more sorrow, no more crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Can you relate to that? Can you relate to a world where there is no more tears, no more crying, no more sorrow, no more death, no more pain, no more suffering. Can you relate to that? You know, thy kingdom come. A glimpse of tomorrow's world. You know, I actually have a piece of paper here. I'm not going to read it for you, but you can hang it on your wall or put it in a picture frame. It's called a glimpse of tomorrow's world. It just goes through a pile of scriptures about tomorrow's world, what it's going to be like. And uh, you ever get discouraged, you might want to read that. Yeah, I'll send that to you free of charge. I'm not going to charge you anything. I'm not going to sell your name to a mailing list. You just get it, and that's it. And you won't hear from me anymore. But I, I'll send that to you free of charge. Everything I do, I give away free. Okay? Compare that to other ministries. All right. Now, there's a teaching that says, instead of Christ returning to this earth to establish the kingdom of, on, on this earth, that people flit away to heaven one person at a time when they die. Now, I want you to think about this. This may shock you, but if that were true, one person at a time flits away to heaven, heaven would be hell. Heaven would be hell. Imagine up in heaven, and you're watching, according to the concept, and you're watching your daughter drive her car, having a good time, maybe talking on the cell phone, maybe talking to, but being with her friends. 
And she's traveling along at a safe speed, and up ahead is a, at the crossroads is a drunk driver. He's traveling about 90 miles an hour, and you see what's going to happen. You see the two come merging together. You see exactly the timing. Time and chance happens to us all. And, and, and you see it coming. You see it coming, and you scream, no! It's not a thing you can do about it. Crash. Your daughter is killed. You're watching that from heaven. Now, maybe you would take a perverse confidence in, in knowing, well, now she's going to be with me. Hey, I, I guess you could say that, but, uh, but you know, there's just, they're just some ideas that are not quite right about going to heaven. I told you the story. Now, this, this is a true story. Husband and wife, she was married to a preacher. Good man. He died. Obviously, he went to heaven. All preachers go to heaven. Just kidding. Uh, uh, anyway, he, he, he went to heaven, and she got remarried. Perfectly legal. You can do that. Well, after she got remarried, she had a dysfunctional sex life. Why? Because she imagined every time her and her new husband tried to make love, guess what she thought of? Her former husband, who was a minister, watching the marriage bed. Yeah. Watching everything. You know, it's sort of a strange idea. When you look at it that way, you think, you know, heaven might, could be like hell if it was really like that. And then we tell people down here on earth, boy loses, eight-year-old boy loses his father. And we say dumb things like, well, the Lord took him home. The Lord took him home. It was not the Lord that took him home. It was the bridge abutment that he hit at 80 miles an hour that took him home. The Lord, you know, to my knowledge, he really doesn't take people home. But, but, but can we see, when we tell an eight-year-old boy, the Lord took your daddy home, why? There might be some resentment and hostility towards God later on in life by telling him that kind of nonsense, well, the Lord took your daddy home. You see, a lot of these concepts about hell are just purely emotional. And emotions often don't make any sense anyway. For example, I had an aunt. Her son got killed at 12 years old. Hunting accident. Involved a shotgun. Killed him. And she was talking to my mother. And my mother said, you know, the dead are in the grave and they don't know anything and they're waiting for the resurrection. And, and my aunt said, you know, if I thought he was in the grave, I'd go out there and dig him up. Well, the body, you know, the, the body returns to the dust of the earth. Do you see what I mean? There's no logic in that. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you dig him up? Okay. Or, you know, up in heaven, grandma's watching. Grandma's watching. The grandkids in the backseat of the car. You know, the you know, teenage girl or teenage boy having sex. And the grandma watching get on drugs and, and, and whatever. Grandma's watching everything. Look at Exodus, uh, excuse me, look at Ecclesiastes 9 and verse 5. For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything. Neither have they more a reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Now don't believe me, believe your Bible, okay? 
This verse tells you the dead don't know anything. Do you know why that is? Because they're dead. 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Why are, the, why are they referred to as the dead in Christ? Whoever these people are, the dead in Christ, they're going to rise first at the resurrection. Now I want to just ask you some questions. Why are these scriptures in the Bible? John 3 and verse 13, and this is Jesus speaking, And no man has ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Interesting comment. Do we believe Jesus, no man has ascended to heaven, or do we believe our preacher? And you know, there is this idea that, that okay, there's, there, you've got this immortal soul. It's a, it's a disembodied soul uh, that goes to heaven. It don't have no body. Sort of like a blob. But it returns back to the grave to get a body at the resurrection. That's a strange concept because it's not in the Bible. Uh, another strange concept is if they're already in heaven, you know, if they're already are in hell, then what's the judgment all about? They've already been judged. The book of Revelation talks about a great white throne judgment. But if they're already in heaven and if they're already in hell, what's this about a judgment in the book of Re Revelation? Seems to me if they're in heaven, they've already been judged. If they're in hell, surely they've been judged. Acts 2 and verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us today. For David is not ascended into the heavens. But he, said, he says himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. You might want to ask your preacher about this. Why is David, a man after God's own heart, not in heaven? Now, I do want to clarify something. There is something that returns to God when you die. It's Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 7. And then the dust shall return to the earth as it was. That's your body. It returns back to the dust of the earth. And the spirit shall return to God who gave it. The spirit is the record of your life. It's your, you know, it's what makes you, you. It, 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 you know, and it's given back to you. Your spirit is given back to you at the resurrection when Christ returns and raises, raises the dead. But your spirit that returns to God who gave it, it's like it's stored away in a huge file somewhere. It's not conscious of anything. It's not watching everything. Why would I say that? Well, I say that because of James 2 and verse 26. For as the body without the spirit is dead, once you separate body from spirit, the body returns back to the grave, spirit returns back to God who gave it. Once you separate body and spirit, it results in a condition called death. Okay. Now, knowing this, should, you, know, you should rejoice in this knowledge because it's much better knowledge. Daniel 12 and verse 2, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life and to some to everlasting shame. You know, preachers get so mad at this. We're talking about soul sleeping. Well, I'm not talking about soul sleep because you don't have a soul, immortal soul. All right, let's read this. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 20. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruit of them that slept. For since man, by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. As in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruit, he was the first fruit from the dead. Afterwards, 
they that are Christ at his coming. That could not be more clear, by the way. Okay. Now this I say, brethren, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, for the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. It's a sad thing. You know, no longer is this really preached at the graveside. I mean, why, why, why is it not? You know, in the church, you got the preacher preaching the person up in heaven. They go to the graveside and don't even preach the resurrection from the dead. Why is that? Well, because they've already been preached up in heaven. They've already been judged, which is a total error in biblical theology. All right, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 53. For this corruptible, corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal, what we are now, must put on immortality. When do we put on immortality? So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. <clears throat> now there's one more point, one more scripture I want to go over that many people ask me about. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 6. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 8. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the Lord, absent from the body, and to be present with the Lord. Yes, I would rather be absent from the body and present with the Lord, but I understand when that occurs. It occurs at the resurrection. Wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. If you look at this verse closely, this verse does not say that when you die, you are immediately present with the Lord. It does not say that. A lot of people read that into it, but, but Paul is just saying, look, I'd rather be absent from this body right now, and I'd rather be present with the Lord. But he knew when that would occur, not a moment before the resurrection of the dead. Because if, 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 if you immediately it, think about it, this would contradict everything else Paul said about the resurrection. If when you died, you immediately, immediately was present with the Lord, it would contradict everything Paul said about the resurrection. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, and the trump shall sound, and the dead shall be raised, incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Christ is coming back to resurrect the saints. The only promise that Christ ever gave of living again was not by going to heaven immediately. It is by a resurrection of the dead. And that's what's really in your Bible. The Immortal Soul Millions believe that you have an immortal soul that either goes to heaven or hell when you die. Yet the words immortal soul are nowhere to be found in your Bible. Think for a moment. If you already have an immortal soul, then why do you need God? You already have something that lives forever inside of you. Why would you need a relationship with God? The concept and teaching of the immortality of the soul does not come from the Bible. Philosophers like Plato and Socrates came up with the concept as they speculated about the state of the dead. What does the Bible really say about immortality? What do the dead know? What does the Bible really say about the state of the dead? Do the dead know anything? 
Are they aware of the passage of time? Do disembodied souls roam heaven's corridors? Do spirits of dead people roam the earth? Can you talk to the dead? Is someone listening on the other side? What does the Bible really say about the state of the dead? The Resurrection The only promise Jesus Christ ever gave of living again was by a resurrection from the dead. The teaching of the resurrection of the dead fills the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. There is no greater promise for mankind than the dead being resurrected. However, the teaching of going to heaven when you die has made the greatest promise in the Bible unnecessary. If the dead go immediately to heaven when they die, then why do you need a resurrection? What does the Bible really say about the resurrection? Order these three pieces of literature by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.org.